Welcome to sermons from First Alliance Church, equipping you to become a fully devoted and faithfully engaged disciple of Jesus. Here's today's message. Good morning. My name is Leonor Lopes, and I'm one of the staff members here at First Alliance Church. It's my great privilege to be with you today and to share with you about God's Word. Just before we begin, I would just like to open up with a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this series that you've been giving to us on justice throughout this summer. Thank you for all those who spoke before me. And as I now, Lord God, join that team of those who have spoken, I pray that you would work through me and give me your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like you to think about the word rude awakenings. It's something we've all experienced and something we generally don't like. Rude awakenings happens when we come across a situation where we realize that what we believed is actually not true. And in fact, what is true is something that's very hard to accept. Let me tell you a little bit about one of my rude awakenings that I've experienced in my life. I have to go back to grade nine, grade nine music. I was so excited that I was finally going to get to play a musical instrument, which I had desired for a long time. I picked the flute, and I was so happy. I had this illusion that I was a great flautist in the making. I was so excited to take home that flute the very first time I had it in my hands, and I practiced, and I practiced, and I practiced, and I practiced every day. I mean, the odd day here and there, of course, I missed. But generally speaking, I practiced every single day. And then it was finally time to receive our music uh, that we were going to be performing. And unfortunately for me, I got second flute. What a disappointment. I mean, first flute is where it's at. You get to sit in the front row. You get to play the melody. You get to play music that's actually interesting and sounds good. Second flute, we sit in the back row and we make the first flute people sound good. We don't play very much. Every so often, we'll come in with a bar of music here and there to add volume or to add something to the first flutes. But I was patient. I thought, you know what? The second piece of music, I'm definitely going to be first flute. To my great disappointment, I was second flute again. And again. And again. And as I sat in that second row with my fellow second fluters, we were commiserating together. And being an immature teenager, we all assumed that the teacher was picking favorites. That was it. Actually, that wasn't it at all. I was going through what I would call a rude awakening. I had to wake up to the illusion that I was not ever going to be a great flautist, because I did not then, nor do I now, have a natural ability to play a musical instrument. I can practice and practice and practice, and the best I get is a very choppy, mechanical-sounding music that's best played at home when no one else is around. What about you? Can you recall some of your rude awakenings? Maybe for you, it was that first credit card bill you received when you finally realized a credit card does not mean I can spend endlessly. Or maybe it was the time you stepped on the scale, and no matter how good you thought you were, with trying to work on losing weight, the scale told you that you overestimated your exercise and you grossly underestimated what you ate. Or possibly, it 
it was the time when you were in a relationship and you were extremely frustrated with the other person, with something they did or something they didn't do, only to come to the realization that your expectations that were unreasonable were the cause of the problem. These rude awakenings are very painful. Oh, this is fantastic. Technology works. Um, no matter what Uh, it comes about, or how your rude awakening comes about, they have a few things in common. The first thing is that there's a painful realization that something isn't as we thought it was. And then we are faced with necessary changes, and then they also provide opportunities for growth and renewal. The Bible, in 1 Corinthians 11, tells us about a church that had a rude awakening, a very rude awakening. And their rude awakening was in the area of justice. Now, throughout this summer, we have been studying justice. We learned that justice is God's idea. We learned that our works must be intertwined, sorry, our faith must be intertwined with works. We also learned that God has told us to remember the poor. We explored racism and reconciliation. It's possible that during this summer, you've been feeling a little bit of a rude awakening. Maybe something isn't as you thought. Maybe you feel that you are uh, facing necessary changes. This is exactly what happened to that church. So let's begin by reading 1 Corinthians 11, starting at verse 17, to find out about this church. If you'd like to follow along, you can follow along on your electronic device. There are some pew Bibles, in the, in the church, in the pews ahead of you. Um, First Corinthians comes after Romans, and it's about the three-quarters way through the Bible. For those of you at home, also your electronic devices, your Bibles, or you can just listen along as you see it on the screen. So then, when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, One person goes hungry, and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. Ouch. What a strong rebuke the Apostle Paul was giving this church. Where did it come from? And why was Paul so outraged? We need to go back in time to this Roman, uh, Roman city to understand a little bit about what's going on here and the magnitude of why Paul is so upset with this people. A few things you need to know about Corinth. It was an ancient city and it was a port city, which meant that things were coming in and out of that city at all times. That means there was people from different parts of the world, so it was multicultural. They would have had many languages. Um, they would have all kinds of goods going in and out but they also had a lot of new philosophies. They had all kinds of religions and deities that people can worship. But there was a group of people who heard the gospel and believed and became Christians, and they followed God. And in fact, a few verses before this passage, Paul praises them for following the traditions that they had been taught. But down here, he's not praising them at all. He's actually quite correcting them. Paul was pointing out that they had brought into the church unjust practices that they seemed oblivious to. A couple more things you need to know about ancient Rome. 
sorry, ancient Corinth. It was a hierarchical society. At the very top, you had the rich people. Now, those rich people, especially if they were Romans, they had it made. They had the opportunities, they had the privileges, they didn't work. In fact, it was beneath them to work. That means they had a lot more leisure time, which meant that they could talk to other people, they could learn about things, they knew what was going on in society. They also had the ear of the politicians because they were in that circle. So if they were concerned about something, something can get done about it. And because they were Romans, they had more privileges. They also had protection from the law that the other people in society did not enjoy. Below the, 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 the very rich people, you had those who were freed slaves. They were slaves at one point, and because of a lot of money and a lot of other things that took place, they were able to buy their freedom. Typically, these people, of course, would be socially uh, mobile and trying to move up. Others may have been working their way through a job or something, but they were well off. Below those people came the poor farmers. Now, the poor farmers were those who farmed the land that did not belong to them. So they were at the mercy of the landowner. And especially if that landowner was a Roman and they were not, they could raise the rent all they wanted. There was no recourse. Also, these poor farmers couldn't own the land. And in ancient society, the only way to be financially stable and to be able to increase in wealth was to own land. So these poor farmers were not only poor for themselves, but it was a generational poverty. the next generation and the next generation, because they could not get ahead in life. And below them was, of course, the slaves who had absolutely no rights at all. It's important to know this, and you're going to get, uh, I'm going to get to that in a few minutes. But a few other things you need to know about this society. It was reciprocal society. So if I invite you to my house for dinner, you have to invite me to your house for dinner. And not only do you invite me to your house for dinner, if I served you steak, you have to either meet it or beat it. You can't serve me hamburgers. That's not going to work. Okay? Um, and honor was really, really important in this society. So remember, I told you a little bit about the rich people? In this society, it wasn't like the government um, uh, supported community centers or events such as that. It was incumbent upon the rich to do that. So the rich would fund these events, the rich would open up their houses for society to come in and do stuff. And they, in turn, would receive honor. Obviously, the poor people who came could not give them something in return of equal value, so they gave them honor. Honor was extremely important. So, in fact, the more honor you had, the more credible you were. Another thing you need to learn about this society there is something else I want to tell you. I just forgot what it is. Just give me a second to remember. The society was very, very much individualistic. So much so that George Brenner, in his book, The Primitive Church, said the Corinthians' ideal was the unscrupulous enforcement of his own individuality. Okay, I'll read that again. The Corinthians' ideal was the unscrupulous enforcement of his own individuality. This society was so individualistic that it became an obstacle for them to see and to understand the perspective of another. So let's put all this together.
Okay. Oops. Maybe not. Paul was saying to these people, you've brought all of this stuff in society that's unjust into the church. So what I want to show you now is a, a common Roman villa. This would have been what a rich person would own. And they would open it up to the church, and the church would gather here. So at this particular time that Paul is talking about, they gathered here for a meal. And I want to point out to you in the far uh, right-hand corner at the bottom, there's a little room called the triclilium. And that would be what we call a formal dining room today. Okay. In, the big, in the middle where you see kind of like a, a blue pool, that's the atrium. And that would be the main room in the house. So as people entered, they'd enter into the atrium, and then there would be these rooms off onto the side. That formal dining room was set up to have parties, to have meals. It would have been set up permanently with comfortable seating, appropriate for having a meal. And this is exactly what would happen. Now, remember I told you the rich people didn't work, so they can come early. So this is what they would do. They'd open up their house, and they invite the church in. But the only people who could come that early were other rich people, because everybody else was working. So they'd come in, and guess where they would gather? They'd gather in that small dining room and they would have a feast. The feast may look like, no, no, like that. Okay? There would be lots of food. They'd eat and drink and eat and drink and eat and drink, and they'd get drunk. Now, some hours later, the poor people would arrive. After they finished their day's work, after the slaves were dismissed, and they would show up, and they may be greeted to that, the leftovers. Not only that, they were not welcome in that formal dining room. They were in the atrium. The atrium was not a formal dining room. It was an all-purpose room. So possibly there were chairs set up there, possibly there weren't. So what's the message that the poor and the slaves are receiving when they come to church? They were receiving a message, you're a second-class citizen. That's what it was like in the world. It was unjust. But when they came to church, they were getting the same message. You're a second-class citizen. No wonder Paul was outraged. And this is why he was delivering this rude awakening to them. He was pointing out to them an unwanted truth that they needed to learn. The, pa the painful realization that something wasn't as they thought. They had to wake up to the fact that, yes, they were doing church, but in the area of justice, they were not living Christ. They were faced with necessary changes. They needed to be honest about all their attitudes, their prejudices, their smugness, their apathy that they held. All the ways that their culture influenced their values. All the ways that they were an obstacle to God's justice. This rude awakening also provided for them opportunities for growth and renewal. Imagine if the entire church at Corinth responded with repentance and a willingness to change. The walls that insulated their exclusivity, the physical walls of that dining room, would have been torn down. The perspective of the marginalized would have been noticed. The power, stru the power structures would dis be dismantled. They would be willing to put their honor aside. Remember that Jesus Christ was, is God. He was in heaven's glory, 
He had, he had all deity, and he put that aside to come down to earth. And not only did he just come down to earth, he came in a very humble state. But these rich churchgoers were holding on to that honor. They wanted to help the poor, but they wanted to hold on to their honor. And this is what would happen if they all repented and were willing to allow the Holy Spirit to change them. These things, uh, this honor would be set aside. And the people, the people would go beyond their comfort level to help others. And their little group would probably turn their city upside down. Here we are 2,000 years later. We live in an extremely individualized society. We live in a society that favors some people and disadvantages other people. Did you know, for instance, that poor people, statistically speaking, poor people in Canada pay a lot more interest when they take a loan than rich people? Now, I understand that there's complex reasons for that, and that's for another day, but if you just take that fact, it, it doesn't make sense. But yet, that's the society we live in. Could it be that the, as the Corinthians were blinded to the way they were obstacles to justice, that we too can be blinded to modern-day ways that we are obstacles? We don't know what the Corinthians did and how they responded, but we do have the opportunity to know how we respond. If you have experienced times of rude awakening throughout this justice series, maybe you've experienced a painful realization that something was not as you thought. This may be an uncomfortable place to be in, but it's also a very hopeful place to be in. It provides us an opportunity to examine ourselves and repent. It leads to great growth and renewal. Imagine if all of us examined and repented of attitudes, smugness, apathy, prejudices that we didn't even know we had in our own heart. What if we were willing to allow the Holy Spirit to start pointing out the areas where we are obstacles to justice? We could dismantle the walls that shelter our exclusivity. We, could rec we can recognize all the hidden motives that we have. For example, when we want to help the poor, do we want to do it on our terms? Do we want to say when and how? Do we want to do it in such a way that we maintain our, our small little group and we associate only with those that we want? Do we give to the poor only what is uh, discarded, what we don't want anymore, what's dirty? Do we humiliate the poor in the way that we help them? We can also be able to see through the lens of the marginalized and we could stand shoulder to shoulder. If we all did this, I think our communities would be transformed. Is this hard? Definitely. In fact, I would say it's humanly impossible. This can only be done through the power of the Holy Spirit. Our first step is to welcome the Holy Spirit to give us those rude awakenings, and then to repent and surrender. God's Holy Spirit will definitely transform us. I'd like to end with a prayer. If you feel that God has been speaking to you and you want to bear open your heart to God, to allow him to cut away anything that's an obstacle to his justice, I encourage you to pray with me. You can pray standing up or sitting down. You can pray out loud or you can pray quietly in your hearts. I will have the prayer up on the slides, but if you don't feel comfortable praying, 
just listen as I lead you in prayer. Lord, I acknowledge that you are a just God. Your word tells me how much you care for the marginalized and the oppressed. You have called your church to love mercy, act justly, and walk humbly with you. I acknowledge that there are areas in my life, both known and unknown, that cause me to be an obstacle to your justice. I need you to transform me to be more like you in the area of justice. With all sincerity, I ask you to come. Open my mind, my heart, my eyes, to see the areas of my life where I hang on to attitudes, practices, apathy, prejudices that actually hurt the poor, the marginalized, and the oppressed. Give me the grace to repent of these and be available to your transforming power to change me. In the areas that I, where I struggle to want to be transformed, please make me willing to be made willing. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more on us as a church and ways to connect, please visit us online at firstalliancechurch.org.